Hi, welcome to the Dr. Dreama Show, inspiration and practical strategy for achieving your dream life. I'm your host, Dr. Dreama. I'm a psychologist and life designer. I'm here to help you design the life you want and deserve. This is Dr. Dreama, and today's guest I just am so excited about. She is going to talk about the importance of creativity in our lives. It's Rachel Moore, licensed marriage and family therapist from San Diego. Welcome. Thank you so much, Dr. Dreama. I'm super excited to be talking with you today. I just, I always have to comment on, on location. I love San Diego, but I just think it's so cool that you're in San Diego and I'm talking to you from France. I mean, how cool is that? <laughs> I think that's really cool. Like what, what kind of world are we living in? This is amazing. Yes. <laughs> I know. It's absolutely great. Let's, let's talk about the importance of creativity in our lives, because I think that for a lot of people that seems to take a back seat. Is that true? I think for a lot of people it does. And you know, for some people, to be honest, it, it's never been an important thing in their lives. And that's, you know, that's fine. They have other interests, other things that they like to do. But for folks where creativity is vital, like they feel like they have to do something creative, like to sing or to write or to dance or to, you know, act. Um, I think it's important to listen to those impulses because it can be vitally important to our mental health, emotional well-being, and just having a good, well-rounded type of life. And, you know, in our lives now, I think things like hobbies even aren't really taken that seriously or we don't think they're that important. And yet, when we don't have outlets, my experience has been people get so stressed out because they don't have anything where they just get to slow down and just be with their crocheting or with their painting or their singing. Mm -hmm. And so that stress just builds and builds, doesn't it? Yeah, I think the stress really can build. And also as we're, as we're talking just now, I'm thinking about this idea of meaning. And I think that sometimes when let's say all we're doing is, um, you know, going to sleep, waking up, going to work, coming home, eating dinner, going back to sleep, the meaning of life or what's important to us can really get lost. And I mean, sometimes I'll be honest with you, sometimes, you know, I'll be, you know, singing or singing with a group of people, especially, and I'll just have this overwhelming feeling of like, yes, this is a, the reason to live. It's just mm. right here in this moment doing this thing. I mean, you know, from the outside, I'm sure it doesn't look like that necessarily, but inside, <laughs> that's what I'm feeling. And it's so important to me um, to have that, to have that outlet. I love that this, this idea that the meaning of life can get lost, because I think that that is true for people, that we, we sort of get up and we just have this daily routine and we, we stop thinking. You know, we're just sort of going through the motions after a while and without having a place where we can go and be passionate and, and feel really good and get that surge of energy that comes from doing something that you love, that gets lost. Yeah, I think it can. And it's like you said earlier about taking that time to, to pause and really reflect, I think is a good word. And kind of what I'm hearing you say too, it's like to stop and think and, and, realize what our priorities are. You know, it's funny because even, I mean, even something like that, you know, wouldn't necessarily call creative, but definitely is a time to stop and reflect is like yoga for me. And when I, whenever I sit down on the yoga mat at the beginning of class, I have all these business ideas come into my mind. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> it's, it's kind of like, um, 
uh, oftentimes I do a lot of work with the book, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Uh, oh, are you familiar with that book? Yes, Cameron? I love yeah. it. So I've been running groups um, as a therapist and as a coach for like more than 10 years now here in San Diego and artist way groups. And, and I love working with the book, but she says one of my favorite parts of the book is she says, um, if you shake an apple tree, you might find that you get oranges. <laughs> right? <laughs> so if you do one thing in your life that's maybe creative or like I mentioned with exercise, you know, moving your body uh, through space, um, you might find that you get other benefits that you had no, we would never imagine. Um, you know, maybe you have a better relationship with your kids or your family, or remember you, maybe you're, you know, like I said, you know, you get some ideas about your business that again, if you didn't stop the routine, take that time to breathe and center and know what's important for you, then it never would have, would have come up. That's so true. You know, I was thinking about a client who was complaining, talking about, she just felt so bored in life. Mm, yeah. And yet at the same time, she was too afraid to try something new. She didn't want to take a class. She didn't want to, you know, it seemed like I just kept hitting this brick wall. And so we finally brainstormed and decided that the best place for her to start was to drive home a different way. <laughs> wow. You know, not a big yeah. thing, but it was something that she felt it was creative for her. Uh -huh. It put her a little bit out of her comfort zone. But it also wound up changing things for her because she saw I could do things a little bit differently. I think that's amazing. And it, it reminds me, actually, um, I work primarily uh, in my practice. I work with EMDR. Are you familiar with that? Yes. Yeah. Eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It's a, a therapy used for trauma. And it's so interesting that you tell that story because I heard from one of my clients that after doing EMDR, he started taking different paths in his car to around oh. <laughs> <laughs> and became, you know, in a way more creative that way too, or just made it in a way of like opened up some doors to make life easier. And I think that it were more efficient. And I think when we do find ways to, to make things easier or different in the case of your client, you know, to see things differently, have a different perspective. Um, I think it can open up those channels of creativity or, or, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, openness, um, to experience and things like that, that can be just so beneficial. You know, I, I think it helps us relax a little bit once we see, ooh, I could actually do this. I could do this differently. It's kind of, it's a little exciting. Yeah, I think it can be really exciting. And it's funny, I'm thinking of a, of a driving metaphor I had once too, which is there's this one particular on-ramp here in San Diego. Um, let's see, people who live here will know it's like going from the uh, like the 8 to the 163 or something like that. Anyway, mm -hmm. <laughs> so there's this, we're staying on the 8. Anyway, there's this, you know, driving Southern California. So there's this on-ramp where I would have to cross over two lanes of traffic. Oh, right. Oh, oh, it made me crazy, Dr. Dream. It was like, I would get so anxious. I would get frustrated. I would get angry. And then I stopped and I thought, okay, that's so simple, but it changed my life. I'm telling you. I thought, what if I do it one lane at a time? <laughs> <laughs> what if I first go to the one lane and then stop and then go to the next lane <laughs> instead of two lanes? And it, it totally... <laughs> changed my commute and it changed my stress levels as you mentioned like I was more relaxed and I didn't feel like everybody was out to get me on the freeway <laughs> so 
so but, yes. You know, I think that's a great example of kind of thinking creatively, right? You're not, you're not producing anything. You're not transforming anything except your own thoughts. Thoughts. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I, there's so much power in that, you know, as we know, I mean, even from, you know, now we're kind of, you're getting given into the realm of CBT, cognitive behavioral type therapy, right? Where, where, you know, I, my first thought um, at that intersection, that on-ramp was, this is difficult. This is hard. I can't do this. Like, I literally can't do this. And it's like a miracle anytime it happens and has nothing to do with me, right? So, <laughs> so the, just to shift that thought just a tiny bit, into instead of I can't do this into I'm going to do it this way and see what happens. See, that just brings up such a, a whole other arena of topics because I'm sure you do too. I do a lot of mindset work and so much of it is developing this, this sort of willingness to let go of a fixed mindset, right? To move that. from that place where we think it's going to be this way and therefore we wind up making it that way, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And there's something there about how do we creatively think our way through life's challenges? Yes. And gosh, it's, I know that's so interesting. And what just came up for me is, you know, also it can be helpful to look at other people. And to get ideas and inspiration, you know, oh my gosh, all the people out there, right, who are so inspiring, who you look to and you think like, how did they, how did they even do that? You know, and then the next thought that comes to my mind is, well, they did it one step at a time. (laughs) (laughs) And I always find it helpful to, you know, look at biographies of people, people like, you know, heroes or whatever you want to call them and look at what their life was before we all knew who they were or, you know, and, and the challenges they had to face. And then to realize too, that that's, hmm, how do I put this? It's not so important where they came from. It's important where they got to. Right. So it's because sometimes, you know, I worry about that with myself. You know, I grew up in a fairly rural area um, in Idaho, not a lot of opportunities, not a lot of people. There's like a, a million people in the state and it's a huge state, you know? Oh, so, wow. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the reason why I moved to, to California is I want more opportunities, meet more different people, have more diversity. But, you know, and sometimes I find myself using that excuse. I'll call it an excuse, you know, for me. I'll own that of, well, you know, I came from this humble, these humble origins. And so, of course, you know, they're not going to take me seriously or I'm not going to get this, blah, 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 you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, so anyway, we're kind of <laughs> veering off, off topic a bit, but, but it's, I think it can be useful to realize, A, we're all human, we're all in this together, we all start from somewhere. Um, and then B, like, look, at, look to the people who you admire, look to the people who you look up to and see how they did it and get some inspiration from there on, on how you can creatively work on your life. Well, I think that's it. I, I think, you know, sometimes with my coaching clients, a lot of times they come in and they're like, oh my God, she's so wonderful. She's so popular. Everybody loves her. And I'm like, why are you comparing yourself? Yeah. You can't do it. But I like what you're saying about using that has inspiration and motivation mm-hmm. because otherwise we're comparing somebody who is at step 20 when we're at step three. Exactly. And exactly. If I know that you're at step 20, then I can go, okay, there are steps I can take to get there. I just right. need to figure those things out, right? Right. 
And I think, you know, that idea of comparison too, I want to talk about that for a minute because I think that happens a lot uh, in the creative world with, um, you know, artists and writers and musicians like, oh my gosh, like even talking about this idea, I feel my heart beat faster, you know, it's like, <laughs> am I doing as well as this other person? Do I have as many ideas, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, you know, I want to actually, if it's okay, I want to share personal stories to where I got my, my inspiration um, to that fulfill my great. potential. Yeah. Okay. And this, this has a lot to do with what we're talking about. So, and this is my perspective and this is not to say I don't have any other information about what happened with this person, but this is my perspective. This is how I chose to bring meaning to it. So when I was a younger person in my twenties, um, I worked at a newspaper. I was a newspaper copy editor before I was a therapist and uh, my degree was in creative writing. And I remember there was a fellow who worked at the paper. His name was Stephen, and he was a few years older than me. And I'd actually seen his name in the paper for years and years. He, he even worked there when I was in high school, um, but even though he was a few years older than me. And he was a great writer. He was a sports writer, and he was a great writer. And one day, you know, I instant messaged him and said, hey, you know, great piece. I was like, you know what? I think you're the best writer on staff here at this, at this paper. And he wrote back, I'll never forget what he wrote. He said, no, I'm not a good writer because I don't write like Toni Morrison. What? Yeah. It, he was so clear in his comparison, you know, very specific. I don't write like Toni Morrison, so I can't Aww. be a good writer. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Um, a couple years later, I had left that paper to go to another one uh, in Idaho, up in North Idaho. And so I was like 25, 26 at this time. Um, and he was 29. And um, he committed suicide. Oh, that's sad. He died. He killed himself. He took his own life. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And for me, it obviously hit me pretty, pretty hard, as you might imagine. I mean, there's, it was just, right. you know, tragic. It was extremely tragic. And I remembered that thing that he had said to me about not being a good writer because he wasn't like somebody else. And then I thought about the fact that he had so much potential and he was so talented. And I told myself I was working, the paper I was working at at the time was just tiny and I was making like 10 bucks an hour or something. And I was living in this really small town I didn't like. And I was like, this is not where I belong. I thought, I said, no, I need to, he couldn't fulfill his potential for whatever reason. It didn't work out for him. I need to fulfill my potential. I have to do that to honor him and his memory, to honor myself. Just, it just seemed like that's what needed to happen. And uh, very shortly after that, I got a job uh, in the Los Angeles area. I moved to Southern California and went from there. Ended up actually when I worked in San Diego at the San Diego paper later, um, I, along with the rest of the staff, won a Pulitzer Prize. Wow. Yeah. And I, I did that in many ways. I mean, that, <laughs> that was very important. It was very important for me to do everything I could to be the best me that I could in my career. Um, and a big part of that was inspired by the fact that my friend wasn't able to do it. Mm. That's really a, a heartbreaking story, but it's also one that you used to make sure that you did not fall down that same path. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and you know, before, before we, we started recording today, I mentioned that I feel like oftentimes creativity can be a matter of life and death. And when I say that, that's one story that I'm thinking about. I, I really think that self-expression, um, 
honoring oneself, um, you know, validating our lives is so important to me. Creativity is not a thing you do on the side. Creativity is life itself. Um, and, and, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily get this passionate or into it when I'm, you know, reading with, with my clients, but that's the underlying reason why right. I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, let me ask you this. We started off by introducing you as a, a marriage and family therapist. Yes. And now we've been talking about you being a writer. How did this transition happen? How does one go from being a writer to being a therapist? Sure. So, you know, I think that um, early on, <clears throat> yeah, I think that early on uh, when I was in my 20s and deciding what I wanted to be when I, when I grew up, I'm still not quite sure. If, I don't know if any of us are, but um, yeah, I, I really loved writing. I uh, was interested in therapy as well, but decided to um, go down the path of journalism. And so I did. And um, it was a great career. I was a journalist for 14 years. And around the time when I ended my journalism career, so that was 2010, um, the newspaper industry was failing because of the internet, because of Craigslist. You know, a lot of uh, newspaper um, income came from classified ads. Well, you know, when you have the internet, you don't really need classified ads printed in a daily paper. Um, and so as the newspaper industry was falling apart, I started thinking about my options. And I, I think I was pretty much done with that career too. I think I'd done everything that I wanted to do. And I had fulfilled my potential, like I mentioned uh, earlier. And um, I had a friend actually who was uh, going to school for marriage and family therapy and telling me about it. And the school sounded good and like a good fit. And um, I just decided to make the transition. Of course, also talked to my, my new husband about it, who uh, thought he could handle my weird schedule of working uh, swing shift 3 p.m. to midnight, working holidays, working weekends. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a very tough schedule. And I have to tell you, uh, after I, I ended my, my newspaper career and I had my evenings free again, oh my goodness, Dr. Dreema, you could not pay me. <laughs> you could not pay me enough money to work nights again. <laughs> I'll bet. Oh my gosh, yes. So lifestyle change, you know, was important to me. And also, I feel totally at ease and totally natural being a therapist. I feel like in many ways, it's, it's my natural way of being. Um, I love helping people. I'm very interested in, in, you know, sometimes people will say like, how can you go from being a journalist to a therapist? That seems so odd. To me, it doesn't seem odd at all. I'm interested in stories. I'm yeah. interested in people's stories and, you know, the details, learning the motivations, and also through that, helping people um, understand their own, their own stories. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how the transition happened. Probably a lot more factors in there, but that's how I see it right now. Well, in making that transition, was there any part of that that was particularly challenging for you? Well, I think the part of it that was the most challenging was that I actually did feel a lot of pride in being a person who uh, was a success in the field of journalism. That meant a lot to me, you know, kind of as I discussed before. And I was able to support myself, uh, you know, with my salary, with my career. And so to end that and go back to school, now I'm forever grateful to my husband. Um, we had talked about this. We decided that this would be the plan for me to go back to school and, and not really earn a living for about at least five years, you know, because in California, um, to be an MFT, you're required to do 3,000 hours of supervised uh, internship. And oftentimes, for various reasons that we could have a whole <laughs> discussion this but for various reasons they're unpaid um oh, wow. yeah yeah 
Yeah. So you're volunteering um, and getting these hours, but you have to get the hours like within six years or the hours start falling away. It's, <sighs> that was tough. <laughs> That's a big change. You know, yes. If you're like most of us, you're used to a certain level of financial independence, even if you're, even if you're partnered with someone. Oh, definitely. Know, this idea yeah. that, you know, I make my own money. And so if I want to go buy an outfit, it's not a big deal, blah, blah, blah. And I would imagine that that really struck your ego. I did. It did strike my ego, my, my whole, my sense of self, my sense of, you know, uh, values even like it's, it's important for me to work hard and be a contributor in society. Now, not to say I wasn't contributing in these volunteer hours, but to be honest, it wasn't an equal energy exchange. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. So I, so I was giving and not, and getting hours back, but, but uh, it, it was, it's really tough and it's tough for all of the, they're we're called, called associates now, if you're pre-licensed in California, it's tough for, for all of, of them and all of us. It's, 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 it's really hard. But yeah, that idea that it was really important for me to be able to be self-sustaining and to, to make my own money. And, and um, it was humbling. And um, yeah, a lot of interesting challenges. And not that I regret it. You know, it, it's so funny. I have to tell you that um, sometimes people will ask me, with all of the challenges and the time and the hours and everything you put into becoming a licensed therapist, um, would, if you knew that to begin with, would you do it again? And my answer is always no, <laughs> no, I would not. And I'm so glad I didn't really know. Right. You know, and it's one of those things too, that people can tell you what it's like, but until you experience it, you don't really know. But I, I'm glad I didn't know because I'm glad that I, that I did it and I'm happy to be where I'm at. And it was a real challenge at times. I think some of the best life lessons that I have learned are things that I went into that later went, oh my God, if I'd known what that was going to be like, I don't, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> That's actually really heartening to hear. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, because yeah. sometimes we have this idea and, you know, we see it through, but we don't have all of the information and you're never going to have all of the information until you're in it. Right. Exactly. You know, one time I was in a, was in a writing class uh, early on and it was actually led by a therapist which is which was kind of cool um even before I was interested in therapy at all and um she handed out these pieces of paper with phrases on them and she said she had chosen them in particular for each of us oh yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah right and the phrase that she sent me and I think we were going to do free writing on this or whatever and the phrase that she gave me was know before you experience wow right which wow. is you know, very much like a Zen Cohen or something, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> how do you do that? How do you know before you experience it? You, you really can't. Um, and, you know, this brings me back actually to your client that you were talking about earlier, right? Mm -hmm. Who had that fear of, you know, not knowing, maybe the unknown of, you know, going to a class. Or it is so scary to be a beginner. Yes. You know? that's where our biggest lessons are too. Yeah. And, and the most of growth, I think. And it's, and it's, it's, it's really, really hard. It really is. And it, and it really takes letting yourself fail. Yeah. Just accepting that I'm going to fling myself out there over and over again. I'm going to fail big time sometimes. <laughs> and other times I'm going to get a little bit closer to where I want to be. 
And I, I love that. I, I learned once I learned that lesson, it made my life so much easier because I didn't have to stop and consider from 25 different angles. Well, what if this happened? What if this happened? What, if, what would she think? What, uh, oh my God, made it hard to do anything. And finally yeah. just accepting, you know what? Who cares? At least if you failed, it shows you put yourself out there. Exactly. And I, again, you know, back to the artist way, she says, sometimes audacity, not talent, confers fame. <laughs> right. right. Now, not to say we're all trying to get famous or anything like that, but I think you could say, you know, confers success or confers, you know, it's it, to be audacious. Like that's been my, 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 my message lately to um, my clients and myself, you know, put yourself out there, be audacious, see what happens. And yeah, this idea of failure, like I was just talking to somebody the other day, like, I don't really think of anything I've done as a failure. Like I had a, um, while I was in school, I also started a creativity coaching business just because again, it was probably that need to do like quote unquote actual work. Right. Um, paid for it. Right. So, so, um, and then after I graduated and I was faced with that idea of doing 3000 hours of, you know, mostly unpaid work, it took me a year to really fully accept that decision and in that year because I thought well maybe I have this degree maybe I can do try coaching and see how it goes in that year I did try a coaching business it didn't work out for me and I learned so much mm. I learned that I needed to be a therapist <laughs> <laughs> for a few reasons you know one of them being I didn't have to explain to people what exactly what I was doing because it's kind of a field you know I didn't want to explain what I was doing or why it would benefit you know everybody knows what a therapist is and that's what I needed I needed to right. be able to say I'm a therapist and not have to worry about that part right that's it um, I also yeah I also enjoyed the structure of some of the the ethical things and boundaries and things like that that are already in place that was helpful for me too so anyway but yeah it wasn't a, that I failed it was that I learned I like the reframe there. I didn't fail. I learned. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Rachel, and I wouldn't have known if I hadn't experienced. <laughs> exactly. If we don't put ourselves out there, we don't know. And yeah. like you, if you hadn't put yourself out into the coaching area, you may not know for sure that oh. you really wanted to be a therapist. You right? wanted to have I, those guidelines and stuff. I always would have questioned it. I think I really do believe that. Yeah. Rachel, it's been really nice talking to you today. I appreciate your sharing your story about your, uh, your coworker there and, and where it led you to go. Thank you, Dr. Dream. I appreciate that. You know, that story has been with me a long time. I don't think I've ever talked about it personally, but lately for, you know, various reasons and things that are happening in the world, I, I think it's important to, to put that out there that it's, it's, it's vitally important that we listen to ourselves follow our dreams as much as we can, or at least, you know, honor our dreams in any way that we can. That doesn't mean you have to chuck everything out and, <laughs> and uh, you know, go join the circus or anything. But if that is your dream, go for it. <laughs> I just think to, to honor ourselves and our creativity is really, is vitally, vitally important. I think that's great. Rachel, if people would like to find out more about you, where can they find you? Sure. The best place to find me is on my website, which is rachelmorecounseling.com, R-A-C-H-E-L-M-O-O-R-E, counseling.com. Great. Thank you so much, Rachel. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. We've been talking with Rachel Moore. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist out in San Diego. And we've been talking about the meaning, how the meaning of life can get lost if you don't allow yourself to pursue your creativity, to allow yourself to bring joy into your life by trying different things, by giving yourself permission to do things differently. 
It doesn't mean that you have to go out and become a great painter or artist or an opera singer, although if you want to, why wouldn't you pursue it, right? It's all about giving you permission to get out there and live your best life. This is Dr. Drema. We'll talk soon.